All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the You Love and You Learn podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. I have Alexandra with me of Toolbox for Love, someone who I've come to know from Instagram and really connect with over the last year, and I just cannot wait to have her on today. Alexandra is a life and relationship coach, and she's been with her partner for over 13 years now and has gone through the ups and downs that many of us go through in our own relationship. So she's on a mission to teach others how to overcome challenges and create healthy, secure relationships that are built to last, which, of course, if anyone knows me, I love that mission. Um, You can find Alexandra more on Instagram at Toolbox for Love, where she shares educational relationship content and resources. So hi, Alexandra. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. This is my first time actually interviewing someone on the podcast, and I love interviews. I think there's so much that, one, we can each learn from each other, but then listeners can learn and just be introduced to new perspectives and ideas. So thank you again, and uh, I really do appreciate our connection that we've made over the last year because I find that it's so helpful to have support from other people in this space. I agree. I agree. Just like I believe we get to feel supported in our, in our relationship, romantic relationships. We also get to have a support system for other areas. And I feel like we've connected over, let's say, the business side of things and our personal growth. And I feel like it just shows how much support is really valuable. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So I really love the concept of your name, Toolbox for Love. And for me, You Love and You Learn has intention behind it. And I'm assuming Toolbox for Love does as well. So I know today we're going to talk about some of the tools that you use with your clients and that you share more about on social media. So I'm excited to dive into those a little bit. But before then, can you give listeners a little bit of an overview on what Toolbox for Love means to you and then how you've gotten to where you're at today? Sure. So you know, this name Toolbox for Love kind of came quite spontaneously. And I'm someone who tends to overthink things and kind of want things to be right. But this just felt very natural. Why? Because I've been through kind of the ups and downs, as you said at the beginning of my, in my relationship, in my own relationship. And it's been now over 13 years. And I always felt like, how do I navigate challenges? How do I nurture the ups? How do we overcome our differences? How do we communicate? And the word kind of tools came to mind. Like I would love to have tools. And I remember being introduced to a very first concept to understand each other better. That helped me understand my partner and him to understand me. And that helped us get on the same page much quicker when we felt very different and almost like incompatible. And I was wondering if I was with the right person. And so that word came to mind is like, oh, it's so nice to have tools. And so that's kind of where the concept came. And the idea behind it is to really say, I believe that we get to be empowered with different tools for our relationship. So whenever you feel like there's a challenge coming up, or you need to talk about something important to your partner, or there's a disagreement, conflict situation, you don't feel stuck, you actually feel empowered. And you can go, okay, I actually have communication skills right now. I have communication tools. I know where to start, how to bring up a topic, how to create a safe space to talk, for example, if we're talking about conversations. And I just feel like having, let's say that that toolbox is just so empowering. You don't feel like you're stuck anymore. 
And it actually is such an amazing feeling to be able to say, things don't have to be perfect all the time. But when we go through the rocky moments, because they will arise, ups and downs are really normal in a relationship. I want to normalize that. But we know what to do. It doesn't create disconnection anymore. We actually create trust in the process and we are able to grow together. And I just feel like the whole concept of having tools and feeling confident that you have the support you need is just so, so valuable. Just like I mentioned before, um, how much support really is valuable. And so that's kind of where the concept came from. I wish I had the tools before, but I'm now just so happy to be able to teach them to clients and to others on Instagram, also through the content that I create. So does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yes. I love that. And I think it's so important because we share the belief that relationships do take effort and energy. And for me personally, and I don't know if you also share this experience, when I was feeling a little bit more doubtful in my relationship or feeling like there was too much work, and I'm putting that in air quotes, happening in order for it to feel easy and effortless, you know, I started to get anxious and I started to compare to what I thought the movies and the media made it seem like that, you know, if things are not easy, then maybe you're not with the right partner. And so what you're sharing is so important because the reminder that we actually have the capability to have the tools in our toolbox to use not only for the sake of the relationship, but actually for our own inner mindset and how we're feeling about things. Because if we feel helpless and like there's nothing that we can do, then it feels really, you know, crappy for lack of a better word. Whereas if we have that toolbox that you're alluding to that we build up, then at any point we can just go into that and say, okay, what's one small thing that I can do to actually move the needle forward? And the small thing that we can do often isn't that complex. It's just that we have to remember to actually practice it. Exactly. And sometimes it's just knowing what we can do. And I know when I talk to clients, just just this morning, I had a few client calls and it's incredible how many aha moments they had in just one hour. And every hour is different. And it's just so nice to be able to put words to the doubts sometimes, to normalize situations, to go, oh, there's another way to do things or, oh, this is why I'm doing this. And it's so liberating and so empowering to put words to our experience. And I feel like just that in itself, having the knowledge to then be able to do, um, to kind of take the next steps, as you said, and and move the needle forward is, is an incredible feeling. And I know how frustrating it can be to love someone and want it to ideally work or hope it might work because the good times are good. But then the bad times are like, what, you know, does this mean that we're incompatible? Does this mean that I'm with the wrong person? And it can be really frustrating and I know how how anxiety can build up in those moments and so that's where we get to have that empowerment and that choice of saying I I, I know what to do now at least I can do the best that I can I can show up the best that I can in this situation and I have a choice it doesn't feel like I'm helpless that's usually the word that I that I hear a lot yeah yeah absolutely What are some of those challenges? I know both of us obviously are in the coaching space and looking to help people both individually and then also within their relationship dynamics to show up in a way that they feel more empowered or able that they can actually take action on things. So what are some of the common challenges that you notice as people are coming to you for relationship support that inspired you to focus in on 
the tools that you share more about? Like, what are the things that you hear most often that really connected the dots for you of, okay, these specific tools that I'm going to talk about with people are the most important that I think they need to understand? So there are a few, but I feel like the ones that tend to come up often are topics around not being able to understand each other and feel like we're too different. So it's like, how do we bridge the gap between our differences? Because we maybe we have different needs or, you know, it just feels like we're on two different, we're in two different planets and it just feels like we want to make this work, but it just, are we too different? I don't know. And so it's having tools to understand each other better. And that is huge. I see for couples understanding what is it that I need? What is it that my partner needs and how can we um, a word that I love to use is co-create something together. There's no right or wrong way or just one way to do things. And that's what we tend to think in relationships. It has to be this way. Um, and I love to kind of, if I'm working with a couple or even an individual to say, how can you create something with your partner that is just so unique to you? Yes, you have your differences. How can we overcome them? So that's kind of like one portion is like how to bridge the, those differences um, so that you can actually grow together. doesn't mean that you will always be on the same page and you have to be similar, but what can you do about those differences? And there's so, so much you can do with the right tools. And then the other part is a lot about, we we can sometimes get stuck in our own head and our thoughts and our thoughts and emotions can get very overwhelming. And so I work with clients more individually. Those are usually individual clients who come who feel like, wow, the anxiety is just so huge. And I feel like I'm almost sabotaging my relationship. And I just wish I didn't do that and just want to have some answers and feel more secure and more at peace with myself. So it's more like that inner work. Um, and so that's kind of that other part. Then there are other topics that we discussed, like how to communicate, all of that. But I feel like it ties into how do we bridge our differences and how can I manage my own inner world? How can I understand myself better so that I can show up as the person that I want to be? And so I don't have, let's say, regrets later on, or so that I don't feel like I just sabotaged this amazing or potentially amazing relationship. I feel like I've done my best. And having that confidence is, is what I help clients do as well, if that answers awesome. your question too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really well said. And I feel very similarly that there's kind of two different categories of work that we can do. And for the people that are listening, I, I like to put air quotes around things because work, I think, has a, a stereotype to the word. And sometimes it feels hard or, you know, something that people don't want to do. But really, I think that working on your relationship gets to be something that connects you more and where you learn more about yourself and your partner. So that work in air quotes, I think can be either internal or external. And I focus on those two categories a lot with my clients as well, because we can always do something internally, but sometimes there's still that external communication or things that are actually showing up in the relationship, the differences, how to bridge them that we need to focus on. And I think it's really important that people understand that there can be change internally, but then also, of course, the internal change only can go so far and then you actually need to use these tools within the relationship. So before we move on to talking about some of the tools that you've most recently shared with people, when it comes to differences, what are your thoughts on, you know, people being either opposites attract or people being very similar? 
I think that to your point, there can be this thought that are we too different? And that can bring up anxiety or doubt for people. For me, I like to look at some differences as like the yin and the yang that can connect people to one another and they can complement one another. But everyone has their own degree of how different they feel safe or comfortable with. So what are your thoughts on that? Is there a right answer to how different people can be? And, you know, how do you talk about this? Yeah, I guess, you know, the first step when you feel different is to first, I guess, not judge your partner or, you know, yourself for being different. Because sometimes we we do tend to judge the other for being different or doing things differently. And so what, you know, I encourage my clients and, and anyone to do is to first be very curious about the other person's world. The other person will do certain things for a certain reason. Get curious. Ask. Um start to define and get specific. What does the other person mean? And I feel like that, first of all, can can clarify a lot of misunderstandings and differences. Sometimes we see the differences on that surface level and we go, okay, we might be too different. But actually, when you look underneath, we share very similar needs um, as human beings. We all, I'm not talking about very extreme cases of, let's say, toxic, abusive relationships. Absolutely not. But in general, we all want to feel connected. We all want to feel valued, important. We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel alive in a relationship as well, to a certain degree. Everyone has their own priority. But that's kind of like the tip of the iceberg where you see your differences. And actually underneath, we want to feel understood. We want to feel valued. We want to feel safe. And so that can also help us see, okay, what do we actually want in this? What are we able or what are we willing to accept? How are we overcoming these differences? How are we co-creating a relationship? Are we able to do that? I've seen countless clients say we're too different, but actually when we go just a level deeper, we can go, oh, actually they just wanted to feel understood here. Okay, how can we have this two-way conversation? Just had the conversation this morning with a client and it was just beautiful to see that actually both of them wanted to feel understood just in a different way for example, or maybe you have different personalities. I know I'm very different from my partner. We have different personalities, interests, um, sleeping schedules, just like so much is different. But it's like, what do you decide to create out of it? What rituals can you have to reconnect? Um, How do you, something I just taught yesterday is something around love languages. Are you able to make each other feel loved the way the other person wants to feel loved? Because despite your differences, you can get on the same page that way. And so there are multiple, you know, lenses you can take to overcome those differences and see, okay, once I have the tools, I can then say, okay, I'm implementing these. Are these working? And how are we making this work from here on? Um, But I feel like sometimes, unfortunately, because we don't learn these things naturally at home or at school, we sometimes don't even have the tools to bridge the differences. So I first of all want to say it's possible. But of course, there's that willingness to, as you said, put in some some of the work. Yeah. But it's a beautiful journey to grow together that way and say we can actually bridge our differences. And maybe there are things we will agree to disagree, you know? Yeah. But that's, we're working on the co-creation part. That's so big. And I I think acceptance or respect of the differences is one of the key ingredients here, because 
at the end of the day, we can't date our clone. That isn't possible. And so there is going to be differences. And one thing I reflect on a lot is that even my brother and I, who grew up with the same parents, we are so different. And so this is another person or however many people are in the relationship. They have all grown up with different caretakers and grew up in different ways and have different beliefs and different experiences that have led them to be who they are today. And so what a beautiful opportunity to your point to learn more about the world and even about yourself through being reflected back these differences by another person. And instead of, to your point earlier, judging them or thinking that your way is better, what if this other person had something to teach you? And then as a unit, you actually become stronger by having complementary ways of viewing the world. Because for me, I know, you know, being more organized or liking to plan ahead or certain things that I'm different about with Nate, that doesn't actually mean it's better. I'm actually a little bit more um, anxious about things because I like to have everything be more strict and uh, planned ahead, whereas he gets to be a little bit more go with the flow and spontaneous. And so if I shut off that side of him and wanted him to act like me, I would probably miss out on a lot of more fun, spontaneous experiences that he brings to the table. And that's just one small example But I think that a lot of times we view our differences from a partner as threatening and they're going to affect the status quo of how we expect things to be. But at the end of the day, that can actually be really helpful to remind us that not everything has to work out exactly how we expect it to all the time. It's so funny because as you were talking about um, accepting differences in in almost like the other person might be able to teach us something with their differences, I had the exact same thought. I think our partners would get along very, very well, because that's exactly um, how my husband is, is is more with the flow. And sometimes I'm like, you know, we need to optimize this, or we need to be efficient, we need to be productive, we need to do this and plan. And, and I was just telling a friend the other day, how much he has taught me to be present, take time for myself, have self care moments, he's the first one to go and say, get yourself a coffee, go to, you know, do, do whatever you need to do. Um, And I feel like it's taught me a lot about how to maybe be more of myself as well. But it wasn't always this way. But I'm just saying now I'm seeing that, right? And so I love how you said something that I believe is we learn a lot in relationships, but we also teach each other a lot. Um, Yeah. Not just about how we want to, you know, first of all, how we want to be loved, how we want to be understood, but also about the other person, potentially, like, how are they and what can we learn from them what do they teach us in the process so yeah love that yeah would you say in your work of course we're not talking about abusive or toxic relationships as you shared and i'm glad that you brought that disclaimer in so is there a point where someone's differences um do you have a framework for example of when it becomes not too different but almost like it may not be manageable for that specific relationship is there any questions that you like to ask people or thought starters that they can think about when it comes to these differences? Because my belief is that there is no difference that's too big to overcome, but it has to be your willingness to overcome it. That's part of it. So how do you talk to either your clients or your online community about when there's differences? How do, I guess, wrap your head around if they're possible to work through? I was going to say what you just said about the willingness to overcome those, because it is at the end of the day, I also believe that I'd say most differences can be overcome. Um, again, we don't 
always have ways to do it because, you know, I just wish we learned this earlier, how to overcome differences, communicate effectively, all of that. And so I feel like the first step is saying, okay, do I need to learn a bit more about my partner? First of all, do I need to get a bit curious and see, okay, what am I willing to accept here? Are there, maybe that's also a process where I get to get clear on my deal breakers. And I love to talk about the word standards. What are my standards? What is very important for me in a relationship? Where am I flexible? What can I still learn? Because sometimes what we do is create rules for how the other person should be or how we feel, um, whether we feel happy, sad, disappointed, too different. We create internal rules for what has to happen for us to feel a certain way. And so sometimes that can get in the way of bridging the differences. So I'd get very clear first of what is it that is going on in my world? What are, let's say, the standards deal breakers? And are we able to, again, I'm going back to the co-creation piece. Um, are we able to co-create something together? Can I be authentic in my relationship? Can I work on that? That's also my job to do that. My partner isn't the only person that should help me, let's say, be authentic and be myself and be, you know, safe. I also get to create that in the relationship, depending on how I show up. And I feel like a lot is tied to that too, because we tend to have, let's say, a list of things our partner should, you know, check boxes on. And it can be really disappointing when they're not. And I hear words, and I'm this is not to dismiss anyone who's in this situation, but the number of times that I hear clients say, my partner is gaslighting me, or they're toxic, or they're not narcissistic. And we kind of label, um, just like we label ourselves, but we label others very, very quickly. And again, I'm talking about healthier relationships, but you want to go, okay, why, why am I saying this? Or is there maybe a fundamental difference that we keep disagreeing on? And that's why I'm saying all of these things, or I'm labeling them, or I feel disappointed on a regular basis. What's going on? And I feel like a lot, first of all, has to do with our internal rules. And we create so many of them. And so I feel like that's kind of the first step that I usually take clients through is like, what's, what is what is going on in your world? Can you start to become aware of what's important to you? Um, are there some hard rules that make it make it difficult to bridge differences? Sometimes our rules can be very, very rigid and very strict. And so that's usually the work that I do, first of all, to then be able to say, okay, what am I willing to accept and all of that? I, I just actually saw someone, um, this is an example of someone who was with their partner for a few years and decided to now break up, although they still loved each other, all of that, because they both had very different perspectives on, let's say, kids versus no kids. One wanted to start a family, the other one not. And so you see how that's a conversation to have. Am I willing to accept that the other wants to start a family? Am I open to that? That might be a fundamental difference, something that you're not willing to accept. And so you see how there are different categories of, of things, but it does come down to what am I willing to accept? And what are my standards? What are my you know rules? Am I you know um, open about the other person? Curious, first of all. So yeah. I feel like there's um, a lot there too. Yeah, that could honestly be a whole podcast in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But I love what you said about 
kind of identifying what feels more of like a difference that I might need to be willing to be flexible on. And that will vary for everybody. But can I accept or respect this difference and be more flexible than my initial idea? Because a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, this isn't exactly who I envisioned myself with. And, you know, I think that that's okay if you have a certain vision of what you want your life to look like. But I'd be shocked if everyone's life unfolded exactly how they anticipated it looking. I mean, I'm here in Sweden and we're talking and you're in Singapore. And I feel like if we were younger and we envisioned that we would be in these places, we probably wouldn't have actually predicted that. But I'm so grateful that I'm here and doing something I couldn't have ever anticipated. So, you know, sometimes that vision is almost this perfectionist view of how things should go in order for us to be happy. And it pigeonholes us into this box. So, I love that distinction between what's a difference that maybe I need to be flexible on compared to what are my hard and fast no's? What are my deal breakers that no matter what, I would almost be sacrificing something in order to accept this. And I think kids or no kids is one of those really easy examples for people to grasp. And I think, unfortunately, we have to look at the matter of what's happening in the present and could I be okay with this instead of in the future, maybe something will change. And I'm hoping this person will change their mind because we can't guarantee that. And so not trying to make future-based decisions, actually looking at what's going on in the present and saying, okay, can I accept or respect what's happening right now? And yes, there's an opportunity for growth in the future, but I can't guarantee that that growth will happen. And so I have to also be at least somewhat okay with what's happening in the current moment so that I'm not holding out for some future thing that may not change. Exactly. Exactly. Our relationships are a great place to learn how to be present as well, because we tend to want to know what's going to happen in the future or try to, you know, anticipate scenarios. And so, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a major practice. And I know it can be hard for the anxious mind, at least for people in my audience who identify as having relationship anxiety, doubts in their relationship. It's very easy to get swept up in how the future will look. And most times, and I can't speak for everybody, but most times the present is actually going really well, but then the what ifs about the future end up causing anxiety and doubt. And so practicing getting back to that present moment is indeed a practice and relationships to your point do help you with that practice. So I love, I love that. So let's segue into talking about some of these tools that are in your toolbox that you share with people. You've recently hosted two more in-depth master classes going over some of these tools. So would you mind sharing just a little glimpse into what are these two tools you've touched on so far and maybe like some of the the high level pieces of insight that people should know? And of course, if they want to learn more, they should absolutely go into your world and either take the master classes or check out your page. But high level, what are some of these tools and what do you want people to take away from this chat? Sure. So these two were quite different from each other in a sense of the first one was, was very focused on communication and how to create a safe space to talk when you want to bring up important topics like a concern or a request or talk about your next steps together, something that can bring up a lot of anxiety sometimes and a lot of uncertainty. And so I gave clients you know, blueprints and frameworks to say, okay, this is, you know, step-by-step 
how you can bring up a topic without it blowing up, but actually to get to the point of having, let's say, a solution instead of a dead end. That was the first one. And the second one was called love languages, because we all have, as I just mentioned before, we have rules that we create around how we want to feel. And so you wanted to get specific about what do I actually need in my relationship? And it helps you clarify, okay, how can we bridge our differences? What does my partner need? Clarifying that is is huge because you're getting very specific about where are we putting our efforts? And a big, big um, pattern that I see with people is, and I've done this myself too, is you do so much in the relationship or you try different things or you try to make it work and you or you give, give, give if you're a giver and it just doesn't seem enough or you feel like your efforts aren't recognized. And so in this masterclass, we went, okay, where do you need to put your efforts? How can you understand yourself and your partner better so that you can grow together? And so quite different. And maybe for the communication piece, since I know that was, that was a pretty popular one, um, what I do encourage, and it's funny because I was just talking about this with a couple this morning, and I and I love how they straight away went, oh, this will help us in our conversations. But it's so it, it can feel so simple, but it is so important. So I taught, let's say, from a, the beginning of a conversation, what needs to happen even before the conversation to starting the conversation to what happens if there is a disagreement in between and you're not on the same page to how to end and close the conversation. So there are different steps. But I'd say the first piece is to really notice how am I doing before the conversation? Because how I show up makes such a big difference. I create ripple effects depending on how I show up, depending on how I start the sentence. I know this sounds very specific, but the first few seconds can tell you a lot about how the conversation will go. It's not something we can control, right? The other person might react you know, a different way than we had thought, but how you show up is so, so different. Uh, so, so important, not so different, but I'd say the first step is say, okay, what's going on in my world? How am I feeling today? Am I feeling anxious? And I'm going to bring up a topic and have a, want to have a conversation for a very anxious place. And I might not have the patience or the curiosity that we had just talked about. And so very important to check in with yourself. And sometimes that can be an, a job on, in its own. Sometimes we're not aware. I know I've had to practice that a lot because I tend to be focused on not having conflict, focused on other people's needs. And so I forget sometimes my own needs or don't really check in even with my body and go, what's actually going on for me? And same for your partner. They're going through their own things. And so to leave you with something practical is once you've checked in with yourself, what I do always advise to do before any conversation is to just check in to see if you both have time for the conversation. Sounds maybe very sim simple, but it's the first step to open up a conversation. Is it a good time to talk? Do you have a minute to talk? And we, we tend to hear the we need to talk sentence, right? But that creates a lot of anxiety and creates a lot of kind of maybe fight or flight responses. The other person will be like, ooh. I, you know, there's something maybe going on and our mind kind of goes down this, on this route. And yeah. so simply asking, you know, opening up the conversation is, is huge. So how can we open up the conversation? There are so many other steps, but if 
you're looking to have a conversation, that's what I would advise you to, to do is request. Do you have some time? And if not, when can we have some time? That's respecting your partner's space, um, their timing, and making sure that you're on the same page from the start, both of you. Yeah. And so I feel like that's one of the first first step is knowing what's going on with you and then opening up the conversation so you don't just ping pong back and forth from their survival brain because we tend to go there fairly quickly. Yeah, that is so well said. And I wrote a blog post once about telling your partner about relationship anxiety. And I think Mm -hmm. some of those initial steps before the conversation begins to your point are some of the most important, like how am I feeling right now? What's my intention for having this conversation? Am I just trying to get something off my chest and then put it on someone else? Or am I actually trying to, you know, have a discussion and making sure that not only the person has time, like you said, but actually Mm -hmm. the space to hold Mm -hmm. for the conversation, because sometimes Nate's sitting at his laptop and I just am trying to share something, but he's clearly doing something. And I have to remember that he's probably not going to give me the best response if I'm trying to ask him about even if it's something simple like plans for the weekend, if I'm trying to do that while he's slacking a coworker, the response or the presence that I receive from him is probably going to be much different than if I say, hey, do you have a minute to talk through something? And then usually I can tell the difference between receiving his undivided attention versus he feels like he should be listening to me in that moment. So I love that pre-step. And I think a lot of us are moving through the day or the week so quickly and anxiety brings about a sense of urgency. So sometimes it feels like we have to talk right this moment when really these pre-steps to the conversation, creating that safe space for yourself and for your partner could really change the direction that the conversation goes altogether. Yeah, exactly. And I would add to that because sometimes even that first step can be really hard because as you said, there's that sense of urgency. We want to talk things out. We want to feel heard we want to express ourselves and so I would advise to or encourage listeners to remember remember what's important remember that you I'm sure want to feel connected to your partner you want to feel understood you want to have a safe space to talk you want to grow together I'm sure maybe you have your own version of as you just mentioned the intention behind it and remember that intention because that's going to guide you and say okay what do I choose to do here I am feeling anxious but what's more important here okay I want to connect with my partner how can I connect best let me ask if it's a good time let me check in with myself and it will help you make decisions in that moment and I feel like that's so such an important reminder from time to time because it can it's not an easy thing to do I'm not saying it's the easiest to check in with yourself and do all of these steps um but you want to want to ask kind of like why am I willing to do this? Like, why am I willing to get out of my comfort zone? Because it does require to step out of a comfort zone at some point. And we repeat the same patterns, right? Our brain is, can can go in autopilot mode. And so we want to have different ways to, to deal with situations. Absolutely. And knowing that this is to the point we've made a little bit a practice a lot of these things we're talking about take practice. And I mean, you're 13 years into your relationship. I'm almost six years in. And the level of communication from three years ago till now with me and Nate has been so different and growing. And we're constantly learning more about how each other operate. And I'm sure you feel the same with your husband. And so I think that 
part of what can trip people up is to think that they should be implementing this perfectly. So they listen to this podcast, they take away that piece of advice you shared about slowing down and checking in with yourself. But the next time they go to do that, they forget and then they judge themselves. They think, why can't I fix this? Uh, How can I, you know, make this go away faster? Or, you know, I need to change now. Otherwise, this means I'm not going to you or that the relationship can't change. And it's about consistency and patience and willingness to just keep showing up and trying. And I know more than anyone how frustrating it can feel when things aren't happening fast enough. So I really empathize with it. And I have to constantly remind myself it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to change right away. It gets to be something you evolve and practice and grow over time. And it's cool to be able to look backwards and see the rewards from the consistent practice, even though in the moment it feels like you want it to go a little bit quicker. Exactly. And I would add compassion, having compassion for yourself. If if we would learn these things naturally in school, at home, if we would have a relationship course, would be a very different conversation, different story. You would have had plenty of practice. And if it's still not working, then we might have gone a different route in this conversation. But knowing that we don't necessarily learn these things, just give yourself that, let's say, first of all, that space to learn and have compassion for yourself. And that will involve sometimes making mistakes. Okay, what can I learn from this? What is this teaching me? How can I do things better next time? That in itself can be very reassuring as we learn how to love. And that's what I what, why I love your name as well is you love and you learn. A conversation I just had with a client is you're learning to love. This is one of your first relationships. And as you said, it's not about getting it perfect. Things won't be perfect all the time. But every time I get into a roadblock or I'm not handling something the way I thought I, you know, I should handle it. And I have guilt or shame, or I'm disappointed about myself or my partner. Go back to, I'm learning here. What can I learn from this? How can I do things better next time? And I think having that compassion helps us grow very differently. um, Because again, we don't learn these things. So I just want to normalize that. Yeah. Beautiful reminder, compassion for self and for relationship and for partner and for really anybody in the world is so important, something I've been working on myself. Let's move into the next tool that you mentioned, love languages. And one thing that I really agree with you on when it comes to love languages is that despite the advice we hear of treat others how you want to be treated when it comes to love languages or showing up in a relationship, it really actually can be a little bit more about how your partner wants to be treated and hopefully they will also be treating you how you want to be treated versus how they think that you want to be treated. So can you elaborate maybe on just one practical tip or one thing that listeners can reflect on when it comes to how to implement love languages within their relationship? Yeah. So I taught the concept of five love languages. So you might hear other concepts around love languages. Someone asked me yesterday in in the masterclass, are there six, maybe or seven or more? I always go, there's no black or white here. This is a tool developed by someone else. So I'm teaching this and giving my own twist to it. Um, But there's no, let's say, black or white response. Every relationship is unique. But at the same time, it is a tool to help understand our differences and bridge our differences. 
And I'd love for you to remind your question because I just went on a, on a tangent. Can you remind me your question? That's okay. Yeah. You know, the concept of kind of showing love how each other likes to receive it and maybe just giving a tip or piece of advice that can help people implement that within their own relationship dynamic. But I loved what you were just saying. I think it's true. Yeah. And so you said, you know, that's something I I mentioned yesterday also is, is we do here treat others the way you want to be treated. And it's a beautiful way to start. But it also creates disappointment and dead ends and, and vicious cycles because we give, 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 but not in the right direction, just like I mentioned a little bit before. And so we want to look at it as treat your partner the way you want to be or they want to be treated and vice versa. But in that process, there's, again, a lot of teaching and learning. We hear a lot if they wanted to, they would, or a relationship should be smooth or easy. But if you think about it, Everyone has their own way to feel loved. And it, it every relationship is unique. One partner will be very different from another. Um, and what I'd advise you to do, if you have heard about the love languages, or if you are starting out and kind of learning how to love, something that participants hadn't heard about is the concept of dialects. Something that I taught yesterday in depth is to say, how do I want to feel loved? Like generally, do I am I more of a words person? Do I need more quality time? Um, do I need more physical touch, physical proximity? So there are different love languages. But then you want to go a step further. What does that mean to me? I might go, I need words of affirmation. I really need to hear words from my partner to really feel loved. But what does that mean? What does that look like? For you, it will be very different than your partner. And that's where we go into dialects. Um, And I kind of pictured it yesterday with almost like a target. You want to get very specific on your target. What do I need? It's not if they wanted to, they would. How can someone know? We can't mind read. I know that's kind of the romantic part maybe of movies, right? They just know. People just know. Our partners should know. They should get me, even if we've been together for a long time. But if there are misunderstandings, if there are frustrations, disappointments, you want to go, am I specific enough about what I need? And I know that was a big aha moment yesterday to have examples, to start to figure out what is it that I actually need and same for my partner so that we can put our efforts in the right place. So we're very specific on those targets. So that's what I would advise to do. Same in a conversation. If you're having a conversation and there are misunderstandings, how how can you get more specific about okay, what did you mean by that? Okay, this is what I mean. This is what I need. And specifically, this is what I need. Give examples, paint a picture. That's how you learn to love each other and you grow uh, together instead of being stuck in misunderstandings. So um, super powerful. I think it's so important because words of affirmation, like you said, that can mean different things to everyone. Some people want a text every single morning Some people want a card on important events, like an anniversary or a birthday. Some people Mm -hmm. want just like a little check-in of, hey, I'm thinking about you in this moment. You know, there's different ways that words can come up in the relationship Mm -hmm. or even just some people might really like hearing, I'm really proud of you or I see your efforts. Thank you so much. Whereas some people don't need that. And so it's funny, I can give an example in my own relationship to illustrate the point. I love cards and I I love a handwritten card. And Nate, I think has (laughs) 
probably like 10 cards in his drawer, just like not shoved in. It's not that he doesn't like them, but he reads them and he cherishes them in the moment. But then it's just in a drawer somewhere. Whereas for me, I have them out on display, like on my bookshelf. And I like to read them. Even once he's written me from years ago, I'll still just read it. And it means a lot to me to check back in on that. And so he knows now after me sharing how important it is multiple times that for a birthday or an anniversary, a card is meaningful to me. And to him, if I write a long, thoughtful card, it's not that he doesn't care, but it's just not as exciting for him as if I go run an errand for him or you know, bring him his morning coffee every day. That's actually to him more meaningful than a handwritten card. So really understanding that is important. And I'd be curious to hear if in your relationship, there's any similar story that you have that can illustrate the point for anyone listening. That's, I love that example. That's so true. And that's a perfect example of knowing where to put your efforts in. We had actually had a similar experience. And actually, we got into the same disagreements and same conflict for 12 years. So literally up until two years ago, the same thing. And it was around specifically our our anniversary. I love surprises. I just love surprises. I have had surprises done in my family um, since I was a kid. And so for me, surprises meant that I'm cherished, that someone thought about me, that someone had you know, took the time to organize something for me. So it's just just such a special feeling. And this wasn't necessarily important for, for, for my partner. Um, not that he didn't want to do it, but I always thought, you know, why isn't this a priority? Like for me, it's a priority. I would love a surprise from time to time, at least for a special, for a special occasion, like our anniversary. And I would see all of these couples getting surprises and surprise engagement parties or surprise birthday parties. And I would, I have to say, I was, I was pretty jealous. I would get very, very um, anxious or reactive. And I started to say, does he care enough? Why doesn't he do that? Like all of those questions came up. Um, And what I then understood is, is first of all, my definition of surprise. What, what did I make it mean that he, let's say, didn't do them? And so I remember this conversation that we had two years ago where I kind of came up and said, oh, I hope you you, you have maybe have something as a surprise for our anniversary. anniversary. And he went, um, not really. And kind of we went into an argument again because it was like, you always bring this up about surprises and I do so much, so many other things. Why are you so focused on surprises? And I got really upset again. And so it was just like this cycle that just went on and on until we got very clear about our definition of surprises. For him, surprises meant just as an example, that, well, first of all, surprises isn't something that he was used to, isn't something that his family was did. So it wasn't just something that was a habit, but it also meant that for him, the relationship was not exciting enough. And so I will do a surprise when I feel like we need to add some variety to our relationship. And I don't feel like we need to. I actually feel like our relationship is going very well. So I don't feel the need to do surprises. And I went, but for me, surprises means this. And so we had this conversation, very open conversation about what are you making that mean? What am I making that mean? And that's where we came to an agreement. And we went, okay, at least once a year, I would love a surprise. So now he knows, I just actually remembered uh, this morning and I told him today is our monthly anniversary. And in one month, it's going to be 14 years today. Uh, So in a month. And I went, 
um, remember, remember, there's a remember to surprise me on in a month, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember. But it's no conflict anymore. It's just once a year we have that agreement that there will be a surprise. And so it's again having that flexibility to say, okay, I'm not going to be surprised ten times a year or even three times a year, once a year, and that's going to be where he puts in an effort to do that. That was our agreement. So this was a pretty long response, but I know it kind of went into cycles of conflict for 12 years. I never really understood why. So it was not a love language problem. It was a dialect problem. We hadn't gone in specific about exactly what quality time, for example, meant to me or something else if it's in your situation. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think, you know, someone might hear that and say once a year, you know, I want to be surprised Mm -hmm. every week or every, you know, every month and to each their own. And there is no right or wrong amount of surprise or whatever that feels correct or true. It's really about tuning into yourself and asking, does this feel like a need of my own or am I being influenced by the TikToks that I see? And I think that my relationship needs to look exactly like someone else's, like getting quiet and actually asking yourself some of these questions of that you shared of what does love mean to me in the way that I receive it and even give it? And can I get more specific than that? If it's words or if it's acts of service or gifts, how often, what type of gift, you know, and spelling it out, it doesn't seem sexy, but it can be the really important step that actually leads to more connection and growth and understanding. So I love everything you just shared. And I think it's important and not talked about enough. So thank you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I have really loved this conversation and to close it out, I'm going to ask a question that I plan to ask all of my guests, which I'm really excited for. And you're officially the first person to answer. So the question is, what is one thing that you have learned about love that you would want to leave our listeners with today? I guess I'll go with the word co-creation. It's love is about co-creation. What do we create together? There's no black or white approach to things. We're all different. We're all unique in our own way. And so even if I hear relationship advice, how does that apply to me? How can I still, you know, work on, on creating something unique with my partner? And I know there can be a lot of confusion when we hear opinions or thoughts on relationships, but I always want to go back to you know, a relationship will go through ups and downs. So what do you choose to do? How do you create something that works for you in your situation? Because context really matters and it's not that black or white. So what do you choose to do? Um, And that might involve some skills, communication skills, tools to overcome differences. Love is not just a feeling. Sometimes you will feel very high on love emotions for your partner, sometimes not. And so that will fluctuate. But what do you choose to do despite of that? And sometimes that might require some skills. So I'd go with the word co-creation if you would just need to remember that love is about co-creation, creating something unique with your partner and saying what works for us, what works for me, what works for them. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great word for everyone to carry with them, including myself. It's a phrase that I've heard before, but not always in the exact context you're sharing it. So really appreciate that. And 
aside from everyone heading over to Instagram and following you over at Toolbox for Love, you have so many great resources over there. Is there anything else that you want to guide people towards or to share more about upcoming projects that you have? Yeah, so um, as you've just seen, I've launched the Toolbox. So I have um, the Toolbox that includes different tools and every tool is a masterclass for the moment and I'm creating some more tools along the way so definitely keep um, an eye on different ways to get resources and different ways to build your own toolbox and learn how to grow together with your partner so that's something I'm creating um, a series of master classes maybe some group experiences and many more things coming up so that you feel like you have a toolbox literally for love. So a relationship toolbox that you can go back to and go, oh, I need to have this conversation with my partner. How did that go again? Like, what is that blueprint that Alex shared? And kind of be able to go back to a specific resource that feels very practical. So yeah, that's that's what I'm creating right now. I currently have two tools there, two masterclasses available, and definitely more to come. So that's so powerful. And like you said earlier, if we were taught some of these things growing up and we already had this toolbox, it would be game changing. And so I think it is so important that you're sharing these tools with people and that everyone feels that they have the right tools to show up in their relationship and feel more confident instead of feeling to our earlier point, helpless or confused and stuck. So thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our chat today. And I know that there's a lot of juicy wisdom in here that people will take away. Thank you as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the You Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.